We are ready to hear from the Lord through Dorothy's mouth. Father, we just ask that you just pour into her every ounce of wisdom that she needs to get through this message. Father, we ask that you open our ears and spirits so that we can hear and receive and then act on whatever it is that you have for us today. Father, we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Mary. What a cool worship. Really good worship. Thank you. Yeah. I'm talking today about feeding of the... Very good. Feeding of the 4,000. I was waiting to see because most people say feeding of 5,000. I'm talking about feeding of 4,000 today. It's another miracle in the Bible, feeding of the 4,000. Hundreds of miracles in the Bible. But this one is in. It's only because God highlights. You know, like you read something again and again and again, and all of a sudden God highlights different things. That's what he's done for me out of feeding the 4,000. And we're... um, it is recorded both in Mark chapter 8 and Matthew chapter 15, 32 to 39. Um, and I actually love when you can read it in different parts of the Bible because you get different people. Because the people recording it were just human people just like us. You get different aspects from it. Each different area is highlighted by different people. You know, God highlights a different memory from something maybe. If you go to the same event and you ask somebody about it, There'll be two or three different accounts, and it's just what that person has seen and what that what that person remembers. Mark only talks about one healing when he does it, about the deaf and the hard of speech person. Matthew talks about lots of healings. It's just different aspects, and I just like to pick up on different bits and pieces. But I wanted to look a little bit about what happened before the feeding of four thousands. So I need to read this bit. Jesus was in the district, excuse if I'm not saying things correctly. He was in the district of Tyre and Sidon. And then when a woman's faith was, a woman's faith had been brought. Sorry. He was in the the district of Tyre and Sidon. And the woman's faith had been, had brought healing to her daughter. I'm tangled. Let's get sorted out. But you can read that story in Matthew 15, 21 to 28 for yourself. So he's already been healing people before this. He's healing all the time. And then he departed there and he went along the Sea of Galilee and he went to the region of Decapolis. Now he had been there before. I was quite surprised when I realized this. It's like, wow, yeah, he's actually been there before. Because we read in Mark chapter 5 and this is where... There was a demon-possessed man running around the tombs, gnashing in itself and that. This was in the same district. And I'm going to read from Mark chapter 5 just to get some background. And verses 5, from chapter 5, verses 6 to 20. When he saw Jesus from a distance, that's the demon-possessed man, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want from me, Jesus, son of the most high God? In God's name, don't torture me. For Jesus has said to him, come out of this man, you impure spirit. And then Jesus asked him, what is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out to the out of that area. Now a large herd of pigs was feeding by on the near side, on the hill near side. 
The demon begs Jesus, send us among the pigs, allow us to go into them. And he gave them permission. And the impure spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd was about 2,000 in number. And they rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this to the town and countryside. And the people went out to see what happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man that had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened and the demon-possessed man, and they told about the pigs. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave the region. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Jesus didn't let him. He said, no, go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed. Now, when I've seen, read this story in the past, I haven't understood. Why won't Jesus let him go with him? You know, he's done amazing things with him. Why won't he let him journey on with him? But it's so that the man stays and he tells people, this is what Jesus has done. And then you see later where we're going now for the feeding of 4,000. Jesus has come back into the area. Whereas the people before, they sent him away. It was too much. It's like, why are you healing this demon-possessed man? I don't understand. It's too much. Go away. They sent him away. But now, when he's returning the second time, it's different. They've actually... You know, they've come running. They've seen him coming. Jesus has come all the way from where he came through for across the Sea of Galilee. He's come to the mountainside to go up, to sit on the mountain, Matthew tells us, to just sit there. And great multitudes follow him. These people were not Jews, so they didn't follow the God that we know. They didn't um, wait for the Messiah to come. They served other gods, yet they were excited when Jesus came. They most probably remembered what he did before, and they most probably have heard about what he'd been doing since he left them the first time. They were excited he was coming, and they followed him up the mountain. Matthew 15, 29-31 says, Jesus left there and went along the Sea of Galilee. Then he went up the mountainside and sat down. You know, he just wanted to go and have a sit down. Bless, yeah, bless him. <laughs> bless Jesus. He just wanted to go and have a sit down. But great crowds came to him. They brought the lame, the blind, the crippled, the mute, and many others. And they laid him at his feet. And he healed them. The people were amazed when they saw the mute speaking, the crippled made well, the lame walking, and the blind seeing. And they praised the God of Israel. What a difference from his first visit, where they'd sent him away. Now they were bringing their friends. They were bringing their neighbors that needed healing. They needed Jesus, and they were seeing miracles, and they were praising the God of Israel. This is why we have to not give up on our friends and not give up on our neighbors, not give up on our family. When we start to talk about Jesus, when we start to share our faith, even if they see a healing happen in front of them, it might be too much for them. They might say, no, I don't want to hear much this. I don't want to know anymore. But we mustn't give up. Like Jesus didn't give up. He went back to the same district. 
we have to tell our friends and our family and neighbours and strangers about what God is doing in our lives and the lives of our friends. We have to speak the truth and share our love for God with people that don't know him yet. At first, they might not want to know and they might dismiss us like the people of Decapolis had done. But if we continue to share, and I don't mean Bible bashing, I mean sharing in love what God is doing for us, what is happening in our own personal life. If we continue to share it, then we're going to ignite something in that person. Like years ago, people would have shared with us, if we haven't been brought up in the church, if we haven't known for a long time, somebody somewhere shared Jesus with you and with me. That gets us to our position now that we can have a relationship with him. We have that responsibility to share Jesus with other people. Jesus himself says in Matthew 28, 19 to 20, Therefore go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Surely I will be with you always and to the very end of the age. This was his last instruction before he ascended to heaven. I'm saying this to remind myself too. It's really easy to share and talk about Jesus with people that already know Jesus. It's super easy to share Jesus on a Sunday morning when you're at church. It's the easiest place to share him. Everybody knows him. Unless we're getting people coming along, which we will get people coming along that don't know him. And then it's still super easy because it's a place to talk about Jesus. You're at church. It's fine. But it's not as easy sometimes when you're outside to talk and to share him. Sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't. So how about asking God this week to show us somebody that we can share Jesus with? Asking for wisdom as to what to say. And then just go for it. Don't mess about, just go do it. Easy said and done. The more we share, the easier it gets. The more likely we are to lead somebody into a transforming relationship with the one true living God. We don't know unless we actually go and try and share. So, back to feeding the 4,000. Jesus was originally going up to a mountain, as I said, to sit down. Maybe he wanted a time of rest. Maybe he just wanted time to speak to his father. Maybe he just wanted time to stop and look at the view, take in all that amazing views. But my point is, whatever he was doing, the multitudes came and he didn't say, go away. He said, hi, do you need healing? Or whatever words he said, he prayed with them, he healed them. And um, their hearts were willing and ready to receive because they knew there was going to be a healing. Why would they have bothered to walk up all that mountain If they didn't come in expectation, they would have expected to be healed. They would have brought their friends expecting them to be healed. But he was also there for three days meeting their physical needs. I read up a few different bits on other people talking and what they'd said about this. And there was somebody was saying, actually, as well as healing, he would have most probably been teaching as well because he was there for three days. He's more likely to have done some teaching episodes as well and this is all helping them at the end of three days you hear that they are praising the god of israel so there would have been changes in their spiritual as well as their physical he would have met both needs 
And then the actual miracle of the 4,000 people being fed. Matthew 32 says, I think that's the wrong reference. Matthew 15, 32 says, Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion for these people. They have already been with me for three days and have nothing to eat. I do not want to send them away hungry. They may collapse on the way. Jesus has spent three days healing and teaching. People would have carried their lame friends up the hill, guided the blind to see him. Many of them would come in that didn't actually need healing. They were just bringing their friends. And Jesus saw their need too, and he sees our needs today as well. They didn't have to ask, he just knew. And I find in situations in my own life that I don't always have to ask for what I need God just knows. You just let him know. A while ago, I was going through a very much, very busy, very overwhelming time. And God knew that I just needed rest. He took things out of the way. And he gave me time just to sit with him, just to be with him, just to be held. And it gave me strength to carry on and to get over and to get on with what needed to do. Because he's a compassionate God. Because he knows what we need. Three days. He'd recently fed 5,000 people. This happened a few chapters before. The disciples were there when he fed 5,000 people. And now Jesus is having compassion and saying, I want to feed these people. And they say, where could we get enough bread in this remote place to feed such a crowd? And did they forget? That he just fed 5,000 people? Did they forget the miracles that he'd just done? They're asking, where can we get? They're not saying, oh, let me go around God. Let me go and see how many loaves we've got. What are you going to do now? No. Where can we get enough bread in this remote place to feed this such a crowd? And that got me. And it's like, because we do the same sometimes. I'm sure we do and we don't mean to. We forget what God has already gone and done. We forget the miracles. So when a new miracles come in, um, come out, we need to write down our testimonies. We need to keep a note of our testimonies. I, I keep books and notes. And every so often I'll read one of my um, journals from, I don't know, five, six years ago. And you read something and there's just a small bit about something that God has done or God has healed. And you thought, I forgot that, Lord. How can I forget? Because at that time, that was amazing. That was just what I needed. And it spurs you on. You need to write down. I would encourage you to write down testimonies that you see from other people, testimonies that you hear. Definitely your own testimonies. Because how are you going to remember them in years to come? Because my, I was healed of vertigo. That was a miraculous healing. And I definitely remember that one all the time. I will not forget that. But I know that my hips have been healed. My knees have been healed because I've walked up and down. And I didn't realize they've been healed because until I was on holiday and I was running up and down steps. And I thought, oh, I got up here quick. Yes, because God healed my knees and God healed my hips. This was prayed for before I went on holiday. You have to write it down. I really encourage you to write it down so that you can tell other people. Because that's what this talk is about. Telling people your story. Telling your people about Jesus. Disciples were just human. Just like us. 
How, I still don't understand how they could forget that. Or, but maybe they didn't forget. It was just a question that they'd asked. I don't know. So if somebody, if you remember, if you're writing it down, if you're constantly remembering what God has done to you, for you, if somebody then comes along, like with me with my vertigo, somebody came along a few weeks later and said, I feel really dizzy. I think it's the vertigo again. It keeps coming back. I was able to say to that person in the middle of a playground, oh, my life, I used to have that, but God healed me. Do you know what? I told them my story, and then I said, can I pray for you? This is what you can do, guys. If God has healed you from something, you can tell people your story. If somebody says the same sort of thing that you've had, you go, oh, I used to have that. Do you know what, though? It's gone now. Because I know a God that heals. Let me tell you about it. Tell them about it first. Prepare them. Tell them what miracle that God has done for you. And then say, can I pray for you? It's so good. Because you get, if you remember, your heart stirs as that person says it. You go, oh no, you don't need to have that. Because God is a healer. And I can pray for you. God will come work through me. He is a miracle worker. Go for it. Again, share Jesus, share who he is, share what he's done in your lives with people. Then go one step further and offer the prayer. We're told in Psalm 78, 2 to 6, I will open my mouth in parable. I will utter dark sayings from the old, things that we have heard and known that our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children, but tell them to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders that he has done. Jesus told us before he went to heaven, go tell the nations. This psalm is telling us, tell your children, tell those people close to you. Don't forget to do that. Tell your family, go home from church, say, hey, this is what I learned. So much we can go home. And if our family are not church members, we don't always say, we had a good surface today. God did this. God did that. Bring the conversation. The more you bring the conversation up, the more easier it is to talk openly about Jesus. I'm talking to myself as well. Jesus didn't tell his disciples off for, not root, for asking the question about the loaves. He didn't reprimand them. He just said, how many loaves do you have? And they said seven and a small, a few small fish. And then we come to the bit that really encouraged me to do the talk today. Jesus directed the crowd to sit down on the ground. And that just hit me when I read it. Jesus told 4,000 people, sit down on the ground. All this was going on. People were wanting miracles. People were most probably still coming up to him. And saying, look at this man, he's blind, I need you to help. Look at this, look at this. And Jesus stops. Sit down, because I'm going to do something else right now. Stop and listen. And we can learn. Oh, not that yet, sorry. <laughs> I can't imagine getting 4,000 people to stop and listen. I can't imagine standing in a crowd of 4,000 people, to be honest. And then I'm not Jesus. But Jesus, they'd been with Jesus for three days. They'd been wanting to listen to him. They'd been coming to listen to him. So of course they were going to sit down if he said sit down. 
That's what they were there. They were listening. They were learning. They most probably didn't know he was going to feed them. They didn't know what they were going to do, but they were expecting something. And then Jesus took the seven loaves and the fish, and having gave thanks, he broke them, gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the crowd. He gave thanks for what he had. Didn't moan about how small it was, like we do sometimes. Oh, what are we going to do with this, Lord? Is it going to be enough? No. He gave thanks because he knew that his father, what his Father in heaven was capable of. of. We can learn from this. Whatever we have, however small we think it is, it is enough to satisfy a need. It might be enough to satisfy our need. It might be enough to satisfy, satisfy somebody else's need. What we have is enough. If we thank God and we're willing to let him use it for his glory, then we will see miracles and we will see more people saved. But let's look again at that sitting down. The crowd would have been really bustling around, very busy. Oh, look, come on, let's get you up. There would have been people in front of Jesus. And the bloke over there wants to get over here, so he'd be pushing through, coming up. I don't imagine it being ordinary, order, orderly queue. And we can relate that to like the busyness of our lives. Half the time we're rushing from one thing to another to another to another. Have we done that, what we needed to do yesterday? No, we need to prepare it now because it's got to be done tomorrow. There's so much in life rushing around now. But Jesus still says to us, stop, sit down, come and see what I'm going to do. Be expectant that I will do something. But I need you to come. I need you to stop. I need you to be with me right now. And we need to be obedient to do that. We need to be listening to him. Be sensitive to what Holy Spirit is asking us to do. And then just stop. If stuff is needing to be done, that can be done later. Jesus is more important. Really, really is. And I still have to learn that. Because you still rush around and you get to the end of the day something, sometimes and say, oh. I'm sorry, I forgot to actually stop with you today. But he doesn't moan. He doesn't reprimand. He just says, thank you that you're here now. And he's always waiting and he's always there, ready. So please stop and be with him. Psalm 46 says, be still, know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Psalm 23, 5, you prepare a table from before me in the presence of my enemies. If God is preparing a table when we're all busy and when stuff's raging around us, around us, around us, I think he is still telling us to stop. A table, yeah, it could be a buffet table, but it, <laughs> I would imagine it would ch- chairs around that you would go and you would sit and you would see what has God provided for me today. What's the good of him preparing a table if we're not going to bother coming? Yeah, please come. Jesus was purposeful in telling the crowd to sit, and we have to be purposeful in seeking him. How are we going to follow his direction if we don't stop and spend that time with him, if we don't listen to what he's saying to us? How can he guide us to people that need him to share our stories and to pray with them? 
if we don't bother to sit with his, in his presence. So please be encouraged to sit with Jesus every single day. Just be with him. Just listen and see what he has to say before you come with a thousand things that you want to say. Try and listen to God as well. So Jesus has blessed the food and the disciples pass it out. They all ate and were satisfied, satisfied, and they took up seven baskets full of broken pieces left over. Those who ate were 4,000 men besides women and children. And after sending away the crowds, he got into the boat and went to the region of Magadon. He does what he needs to do, and then he goes on. He moves on because there's other things to do. They didn't waste anything. Seven baskets of food were picked up. Nothing we do is wasted for God. Sometimes we might feel we've messed up because we've got all excited and said, we're going to go out, Lord, I'm going to go out, I'm going to find a blind man, I'm going to pray for that blind man. And you go out all excited, you see the blind man, you go, oh, I'll go home now. You know, you didn't quite get that. It's not wasted. It's not messed up. You tried. You stood with God. You said what you wanted to do. You know he's going to heal. But you get self-conscious. You get funny. Sometimes you go through with it, and we'll see those miracles coming when we go through it, when we actually do the thing. If we don't do it, someone else will do it. God doesn't just rely on us. He has a lot of people that will speak into that person's life. It's not wasted time. It's not a wasted experience. It's a learning curve. God doesn't forget and leave it on the ground. He'll pick it up like they picked up the bread and he'll savor that time and he'll treasure that time and he'll remind you of that time later on and he'll work with you on that time so that one day you will go out and you will go to the supermarket or wherever it is that is your area that you will go there and you will say that prayer for that person and you will see that healing. Or you will have a story to tell about it afterwards. But I encourage you, if you're in that position that you've nearly done it and not quite got there, don't hold it in here. Talk to somebody. Tell them, I nearly prayed for someone today. I nearly spoke the name of Jesus to somebody today, but I didn't quite do it. Get somebody to pray with you so that next time you've got more courage. Talk to God about it. Talk to him, but step out. Do something. Step out. Speak the name of Jesus. Seven baskets left over would have been eaten by somebody, even if just the birds. I'm sure they wouldn't have just been picked up and put in the rubbish bin. So let's not let the experience of trying and not quite making it put you off of trying again. Keep trying. Keep going. Because you all know Jesus, but maybe the person next to you doesn't. They have a right to know Jesus too. Okay. I think I've touched on a few different areas today. And hopefully it's encouraged us all to go out and share the love of Jesus with somebody. So in summary, Jesus was available and ready to pray for people. Let's be like Jesus. He was expectant to see miracles. Let's be like Jesus and pray expectantly. He returned to places where he'd been asked to leave before. Let's be like Jesus and not give up on our friends and family. Each time we mention his name or share our story, we're sowing seeds in that person's life. 
We might not see the end of that. We might not see it flourish, but somebody someday will. And that person has a right to know. He fed hungry people. So let's be like Jesus and share what we have with people, even if we think it's a little. Remember, God can still use it and multiply it. Let's not be afraid to share God with people. Let's not be afraid to let them know that we know a God who can heal, that we know a God that brings peace and hope and love and joy. And let's be people that know how to sit down with him and rest in his presence and then respond as the disciples did. Get up, go out and bring the kingdom of God to people around us. So Lord, I thank you for what you put on my heart today. I thank you that we can be like you, that we can share you with our friends and our family. Give us encouragement this week, Lord. Show us who you want to speak to and then give us words. Help us to have time to stop and sit with you and hear what you are doing. In Jesus' name, amen.